Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Tuesday, May 26th, 2020. Jay Zawoski with you here, hoping you had a nice holiday weekend for those of you that have served. It's always a difficult thing to say, happy Memorial Day. It's not a happy day at all, but I hope whatever you need a Memorial Day to be for you was just that. And I hope that uh, we all took some time to pause and recognize the people that gave everything they could so we have the life we have here in America. And I know it's not a uh, time where we're all agreeing on things, but the fact that we're allowed to disagree um, is because of a lot of those people. So thank you. I had a lot of family members that served. My Uncle Fran is a, I think, four-time Purple Heart Award recipient and just a uh, great guy. So thanks to everybody who served. All right, it's Talk Back Tuesday, my final Talk Back Tuesday of the Locked On Podcast show, Locked On Blackhawks podcast. If you want to get in touch, very easy to do, LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Twitter is at LO underscore Blackhawks. My personal account at jayzawoski670. And the voicemail, 708 708- Six five three zero five seven two, and if my comment there just caught you off guard, let me fill you in. If you miss Friday's show, which is totally understandable, this will be my last week on Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm stepping aside to focus on the Madhouse Podcast and the I'm Fat Podcast and some other things I have going on in my life at the moment. I'm passing the reins to Jack Bushman. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack Bushman Two and Talking Hockey. He's got two accounts. Uh, he'll join me towards the end of the week so you can get to know him a little bit, and he'll take over. Nothing changes. You don't have to resubscribe or anything like that. The email will remain the same. He'll take over the Twitter account, all that stuff. So welcome, Jack, with open arms. He's going to take over next week, um, and this is my final week on Lockdown Blackhawks. But thank you so much for joining me. This episode, by the way, of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for $10 off. At BuiltBar.com. Always delicious, the Built Bar. Big fan. Big fan of the Built Bar. My shipment should be coming any day now. Cannot wait. So before we get to the Talkback Tuesday questions, a little bit of news. On Monday, the NHL released their Phase 2 plan for bringing hockey back. And a lot of people got really excited about it. And look, our show Friday, there was a lot of excitement about this approved format. The NHL and the NHLPA have agreed on the format of a return, the 24-team return-to-play format. That has been agreed on. However, getting back to playing hockey is a different thing. The NHL released a 22-page PDF report on what Phase 2 looks like. And I'm going to read you all 22 pages right now. No, I'm not going to do that. Just kidding. But there's a lot to dissect there. I encourage you as a hockey fan to read it yourself uh, because there is so much nuance on here. But here's the bottom line. Hockey can return in phase four. They hope that phase two begins uh, like early June, but they can't really put a date on it. So here are a few things. Phase two stipulates a six player maximum in a practice facility at one time. The on-ice sessions would have players only, no coaches or other personnel allowed on the ice. So six players on the ice at a time, okay? The other thing, phase two is voluntary for the players. Clubs are not permitted also to require players to return to the club's home city so they can complete complete a quarantine requirement in time to participate in phase two. So not every player is going to opt to do this. It's going to be testing. It's going to be... 
uh, getting your temperature taken every day. It's going to be distancing. It's going to be wearing a mask throughout the facility. They do say that they won't need to wear a mask on the ice while they're working out. When they do work out off the ice, they will not be able to use a spotter, so it will be drills that they can do on their own. It's very detailed. It's very concise. It's very thorough. One thing I appreciated about it, and they have to kind of do this because if they don't say this, they look like crap. Whether or not they actually enforce it is one thing. But they said testing, but not at the cost of tests for the public. If the public doesn't have access to the tests they need, the NHL is not going to take a bunch of tests away from the general public. They have to pay that lip service. I hope they're serious. I'm not saying they're not serious, but I think you could see, look, people now forgive a lot of things uh, politically, however you want to talk about it. Uh, and I think fans could could be, I'm mad about this, but sports are back. So I'll just turn the other cheek. And, and I think the vast majority of people would do that. And quite honestly, I, I'd probably be one of them. Right, but like, yeah, it's not great that the public isn't getting tests when the hockey players are, but what am I? I'm not going to die on that hill because I can't do anything about it. Um, and and hopefully by the beginning of June, which isn't that far away, actually, it's all it's in what seven days or whatever, six days, the tests will be more readily available. It's just uh, you know, read this 22 page report. It is a lot, but it's good. And I've sort of scoffed at the idea of the NHL being on the forefront of a plan to return. But as far as I can tell, they have the most detailed plan, at least in this phase of their return to the game. And if this can work, and if they can get back to hockey, the Hawks will be in the playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers, and that's really exciting. But the question is, how fast do these phases go? And what warrants the transition to phase three? That's what hasn't been laid out in this 22-page report or 22-page release by the NHL. What has to happen for Phase 3 to begin? Phase 3 would be a formal training camp where more players can be there and things like that. Is that a month? Is it two months? Is it three months? And then you have to get to another phase, Phase 4, which is begin of play, beginning of play. So it's a ways away yet. I know we're excited. I'm having people asking me, like, what does a matchup look like? I, you know, who knows? Who knows, like, who's going to be healthy then? Who can play then? Like, we talked about last week, Calvin DeHaan would be scheduled to return from injury right about now. If they can play in July, is Calvin DeHaan back? We don't know. The other problem we have is Blackhawks fans is no one's talking. You fire the president of the organization a month ago. And Rocky Word still hasn't said a word. And because of the situation we're in, and because of the Hawks' place in the Chicago sports spectrum, there hasn't been a demand for Rocky Words to speak. If this was the Bears or the Bulls or the Cubs or the White Sox, there would be demands being made for Jerry Reinsdorf or George McCaskey or Tom Ricketts to speak. If Crane Kenny was fired or Ted Phillips was fired, you'd be hearing about it. They wouldn't just say, mm, we got a new one or an interim one. We'll let you know what happens whenever. No. So that's also throwing a wrench into this thing is we haven't heard from the Blackhawks in any aspect at all in a month. Be it Stan Bowman talking about player availability or Jeremy Cowton doing the same thing. 
There's no information. So for us to even start thinking about the hockey side of this, it's a little premature, but good signs. The players seem to be on board. Let's hope they can get through these phases quickly and we get back to hockey, but I'm warning you, it might be a while, and I still don't think a complete cancellation is out the window. If it just is starting to take too long and we're seeing the way people have been behaving this weekend, going out in huge crowds out of state, that's going to cause a spike again. So who knows? But fingers crossed, trying to stay optimistic. Let's hope hockey is back very, very soon. By the way, he's lead, led the show talking about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Yeah, it tastes like a candy bar. Every bar, be it the eight chocolate nut flavors or the eight chocolate nut free flavors, Every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and it's real chocolate. It's not like faux, chalky chocolate. This is real chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're great if you're health conscious. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. Does that sound like a candy bar to you? Well, that's the peanut butter brownie built bar. The mint brownie is 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 5 net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for sending in your emails. Not a ton of questions today. I think a lot of people are still in kind of the wait and see period, but a couple to get to. I do want to acknowledge I got a lot of really nice messages on Twitter and on Facebook and everywhere about uh, me leaving the show. Uh, I want to be clear here again because I know some people are listening for the first time and didn't hear my announcement on Friday. The Madhouse podcast is not going anywhere. Lockdown Blackhawks isn't going anywhere either, but I'm stepping away, handing over the reins to Jack Bushman, who's going to do a great job. Um, But yeah, this is my last week on the show, and there's been so many great emails and uh, a lot of people understanding, a lot of people upset, a lot of people excited to hear from Jack, uh, a lot of people, a combination of all those things, uh, and I understand it, and uh, I appreciate it, and I've seen them all, and they all really do mean a lot. Uh, There's one in particular... I wanted to uh, pass off, pass on. I got it from Ryan, and he said, I want to thank you and Lockdown Blackhawks for providing us Hawks fans with Hawks news and analysis, especially during these strange COVID days. I appreciate your desire to please your audience, and you've accomplished that. I wake up every morning to my alarm, jump on Twitter, and hope to see a, fr- a fresh Lockdown podcast. I'm a huge Hawks fan and can honestly say that I occasionally deal with spikes in depression. COVID has not helped, and while our daily routines have been nothing close to normal of late, Lockdown has been a can- has been consistent it makes me feel a little more normal thank you for providing these podcasts during these tough times you have a big heart for your fans so i want to provide a quick analysis of your transition during your announcement you basically admitted that you were having a bit of a tough time announcing the change i want to let you know you should feel great about this decision it's win 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 there's no doubt that many lockdown listeners are also madhouse fans the fact that we can now get locked on and more Madhouse is an exciting announcement. It's always great to give somebody an opportunity, hear a different opinion, but most of us, but most of all, we as fans get more Hawks podcast as a result. The decision to get more family time is admirable and respectable. 
COVID has taught us that family life ultimately does come first. Thank you so much for all your do, all your hard work. I'm excited for the talk in hockey, especially for his take on prospects, because we all know the Hawks' future is murky, to say the least. You've helped me, so I want to help you and say that you have should have no regrets about this decision. Uh, thank you for that, Ryan. That is uh, very meaningful. I, I wrote him back as well uh, and appreciate it. Um, I also struggle with anxiety, and this has been hard on everybody. Um, but thank you, Ryan. And, and uh, you know, I got that email kind of at the right time. It was a difficult day uh, going through that. It was the day I announced it, and people were just starting to get the news. So, Ryan, thank you very much for that email. Uh, that did definitely mean a lot to me. All right, let's get to um, some hockey content here. Uh, before I lose it, <laughs> Jason writes, After the team signs veterans to plug roster holes, I often hear the repeated line, that you want to have more competition for a roster spot and for a young guy to prove that they deserve a spot in the lineup. Considering how few looks we've gotten of guys like Kurashev, Entwistle, Highmore, and Hagel, is it possible the Hawks get fewer looks at their prospects because of a lack of a roster spot? They seem to only be in the position of doing call-ups lately in the event of injuries. Uh, he also adds uh, something about David Kampf, where we talked about him last week, um, how Kampf is just a guy. That's a topic that came up. So, Jason, thank you for that as well. Well... I always read the we want competition for roster spots as we're out of money. <laughs> like we don't have anybody else to bring in. And listen, if they felt about Kurashev, Entwistle, Highmore, and Hagel the way they feel about Boquist and Doc and maybe some others, they would find room for those guys to be up here. But the re the real the the real situation is that those guys are not top prospects. And they don't really have a need to rush them. The one of that group I'm most excited about is Mackenzie Entwistle. And I don't know, a lot of people are not as high on him, but every time I watch him play, be it in a preseason game, be it in training camp, whatever, he stands out. I really like his game. And I think next year we'll get a good look at him. But yeah, I, I think that whole thing like, oh yeah, we want we want competition for the roster spots. Uh, I think that can be a little bit of a a way to say like well we're out of money so here's a way to spin that oh yeah we got it we got some competition now well i mean the 2010 2013 and 2015 hawks did not have a ton of competition they knew that roster pretty start to finish top to bottom and knew what they were going to get so um yeah I, whenever i hear that i always sort of think like okay you know maybe you would have signed a couple more guys if you could have but financial restraints or roster spots sort of uh don't allow that to happen. So thank you very much for the email, Jason. Appreciate it uh, from you, as always. He's, uh, Jason is a frequent emailer and tweeter of the uh, Lockdown Blackhawks and Madhouse podcast, so I greatly appreciate that as well. Got an email here from Steve, and he says, he's one of many, how do you see the series with the Edmonton Oilers shaking out? And like I said earlier, it's almost impossible to handicap. And you can look at the rosters top to bottom and say, okay, you know, they've got Dreisaitl and McDavid, two of the best players in the NHL right now. And I wonder if most people know, even, like, even, I would say casual is probably not the right word. I would think most casual hockey fans don't know who Leon Dreisaitl is. But people that watch the majority of Hawks games, if you ask them, like, who are the top 10 players in the league? How many of them would mention Leon Dreisaitl? I wonder. That dude is so good. And he had his kind of like welcome to the NHL moment against the Hawks. Was it two years ago where he had a million goals? And 
I'm just pulling this off the top of my head, but this year, in 71 games, Leon Dreisaitl has 43 goals and 67 assists for 110 points. That's insane. Those are huge, huge numbers. And, (laughs) I mean, the dude is just incredible. He's a really, really good player. Kind of like, to me, is a a bit of a, a throwback power forward type. I really like his game in that way, where he's, you know, very physical, very tough to knock off the puck. I like that about his game, and he is only 24 years old and is one of the rising stars in this game. So I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I am probably won't be when he's matched up against the Blackhawks in the playoffs, but Leon Dreisaitl is great. Oh, oh, and oh, yeah, they have Connor McDavid as well. The Oilers are very top-heavy when it comes to scoring. It's Dreisaitl, it's McDavid, and McDavid's right behind Dreisaitl, by the way. It's just McDavid was hurt for a spell. McDavid's only played only 64 games. He has 97 points in 64 games. Dreisaitl, 110 points in 71 games. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with 61 points in 65 games. Zach Cassian, another power forward type. He's got 34 points in 59 games. But from there, it's a good team. I'm not taking anything away from them. They're a good team. But Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen split their time in goal. Um, Mike Smith is 175 years old, but that's the sort of guy you could say like, well, this time off, that could be helpful for a veteran guy like that. And then when you look at the Blackhawks in the same hand, Duncan Keith has had all this time off and he's going to be fresh. And Jonathan Taves, who plays a physical game, not like laying people out, but he goes into corners. He does all the things he needs to do. Maybe that rest will help him. I also think there's a bit of an element of... We're giving we're given this chance here to make this impact, to do this thing where we didn't have this opportunity. I wonder if the Hawks are going to use that as a motivator. Like, you know what? We didn't earn this. Let's make the best of this, and let's try to really show something here. One more segment to go here on Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's Talk Back Tuesday. Thanks for the feedback. Thanks for the questions. Always appreciate that. If you want to leave a message of your own, 708-653-0572, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com or on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. As Friday is my last show, so we have today's show, then Thursday, then Friday, I'll be taking email questions all week. If you want to leave me a note, you want to leave me a voicemail, I'm not going to save them for next week jack's going to start the show over he's going to do it his own way not even sure if he's going to do talk back tuesday or a different thing altogether uh it is completely his show at that point so if you want to get anything into me before then this is your opportunity so get those questions in lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com i have a tweet here from doc he says hey jay how is it possible the blackhawks power play is so disappointing with the talent they can put on the ice as a power play unit you would expect better results was it this way during the cup runs? Did the league adjust and the Hawks failed to change? Also, the Hawks PK bothers me. Other teams play the Hawks with a more aggressive box and pressure the points, not giving any room to set up. The Hawks PK plays a tight, passive box, and the other team has all data set up and is in a shooting gallery. As for the power play, this has been a problem for the Hawks forever. 
even going back to Joel Quenville, even going back to the cup teams, the power play was never great. They always had a pretty solid penalty kill and a bad to below average power play. I think part of it, and I've said this for a long time, and it's easy to say this, but harder to do it. When you have that much talent on the ice, what you see is the Hawks trying to skill themselves into every power play goal. And when you look around the league, most power play goals that are scored are pretty ugly. It's a point shot that hits a leg or the goalie is screened or whatever. It's not always a one-timer. And Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin had that on lock when they were together. That one-timer from the left, you know, from Panarin just blasting one-timers all the time and scoring on them. It was working then, but that's not how power play goals are scored. And what I'm what I'm kind of alluding to is like, would they be better off with less skilled players on the power play? And I know that sounds crazy, but it doesn't take a lot of skill to set up in front of the net, get in front of the goalie, and hope the puck hits you. And you know, you're able to score those goals in front. That's how most power play goals are scored. It doesn't take a lot of talent to do that. The other thing and I've thought this for a long time, is I think that Patrick Kane can sometimes be difficult to play with. A guy with that much skill, with that much ability, with that much hockey IQ, most players aren't as smart as Patrick Kane is on the ice. And you'll see every now and again where Patrick Kane will make a pass that's unbelievable to an open player, and the player cannot believe that the pass got to them. It happens often. And I think that could be a factor, too, where Kane is sort of set up along the boards, doing his own thing. Yes, of course you want the puck on Patrick Kane's stick as often as you can. I'm not saying they should stop that. But I do think sometimes it can be a bit confusing for his line mates to know what to do. It's almost like, just stand there and let me get the puck to you. And he will. You know, and I don't know. It's, It's always been a thing with the Hawks. And what it seems to me is they always seem to pass up good opportunities for that extra pass and it never it seems like it never works of course you're going to score a stellar goal now and again but for all the times they try to make a highlight reel power play goal maybe one in 10 one in 20 of them actually work and that's not a recipe for success so I don't know I'm I'm all for a more simplified power play unit it's just hard for me if I was the coach to say all right you know, Taves, Kane, take a seat. We're going to put, you know, lesser lesser skilled players out there because they're going to keep it simple. It's easy in thought, not so easy in practice. So that's, uh, eh, you know, that's that it, it's much easier said than done, I'll say. So anyway, that that's sort of where I stand on the uh, on the power play thing. The penalty kill, I think, has been for the most part pretty good. There will be times where. They go through lulls where they're not great. But for the most part, I think the power play, or the penalty kill rather, has been pretty decent. I think it's been pretty decent. So uh, not, a, not a lot of huge complaints as far as that goes. I just, you know, if having dominant special teams is a way to make a lesser team better. And, <laughs> you know, it's if you have a good power play and penalty kill, you're going to be really, really damn good. But if you can have one really good special team and be pretty decent at even strength, that's 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 pretty good skill to have as well. You're, you're going to go far with that as well. All right, thank you so much for the questions. I'm going to talk to you again 
on Thursday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Then hopefully on Friday, you'll hear from the new Lockdown Blackhawks host, Jack Bushman. I'm going to coordinate things with him this week. Him and I are going to talk and get things all set for the transition, and hopefully we'll do a show together on Friday. That's the plan for now. But until then, if you've got a question, reach out, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. The voicemail, 708-653-0572. Twitter, at LO underscore Blackhawks. And make sure you give Jack Bushman a follow on Twitter. He is at JackBushman2, the number two. And he also has his hockey account. It's TalkinHockey, T-A-L-K-I-N-H-A-W-K-E-Y. And I hope when he takes over next week, you will welcome him with open arms and give him the chance he deserves because I handpicked him as my replacement. I'm very pleased that the Lockdown Network has agreed. By the way, now that this episode is over, ask your smart speaker to listen to the latest episode of Lockdown NHL. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.